0: Ready?
1: Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels. We're a video game music podcast. This is episode 34-3, and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pranel. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Uh, we pick a topic, we list, pick some music, we listen to the music, and we, we talk about everything. And, and you actually, um, you didn't just say your name, you kind of sung it. Yeah cuz the,
0: the rhythm was right everything was the there. moon is bright going to have some fun show you how it's done tgit <laughs>
1: i was like that this is familiar <laughs> those, those lyrics sound super familiar um, yeah we're starting a little bit later because we were talking about i was talking about star wars and marvel stuff that i've been watching oh yeah i didn't think i would be into it but i, I i'm always like ah oh, i'm tired of these marvel movies I'm not. I just. I'm just. I'm not excited to watch them. And then, and then, when I finally do watch them, I'm like, "Hey, that was fun." But I, I eventually, I, I, I do eventually. Well, it's the yeah. general
0: vibe of there's burnout, but generally, the burnout stems less from the enjoyment of watching something that you actually like is so much as it is motivating yourself to start it. Mm. And that's how I am with a lot of these shows. Like when it comes to Marvel superhero films, is the fact that they have that vibe of heroes always win, evil always loses. Yeah. There's going to be a weird setback, a revelation occurs, the chase, see like you can kind of write out the narrative of all of them. Which is why I kind of like that a lot of the more recent ones are kind of leaning more into like they're just getting silly.
1: Because yeah. I don't need I don't need, the, I don't need the I don't need I don't need the hero's journey every friggin' movie. And people respond to humor. Yes. Yeah, and, and I'm responding to it. I I'm, I'm really enjoying all of it. But yeah, yeah so Anyway, I'm enjoying She-Hulk a lot. I'm enjoying the Miss Marvel show a lot, all that stuff. Um, and I just need to sit watching. down and start watching them. But even though
0: I haven't started watching them, I get enough clips. You watch and a stuff. bunch of other stuff. Oh, I'm everywhere, man. Heck, even the shows like I was regularly following. I've fallen behind on, but I still watch like Resident Alien, which I think is a fantastic oh. show.
1: I I, uh, I I fell behind on that. I fell way behind on that. It's
0: so good. Yeah. Alan Tudyk He's the is best. amazing, and which yeah. is why I also watch Harley Quinn. Yeah. He's in that as multiple characters. Um, and both shows are great. And then I still slowly watch One Piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have I watched? i watched been watching Black Summer, which that show annoys that the me. So it's another you know, typical another zombie movie or show. But I came across it because I saw like it was a Reddit post or something where someone was like, "People need to watch Black Summer. That is a good zombie show." And I was like, "You know, fine. I'll start Black Summer. I'll find it. I'll give it a view and see what it's all about." And while the premise is good, and I like when more shows do like pre, you know, societal collapse zombie mm-hmm. pictures, I hate it that every single character is a moron in the show. <laughs> they all do dumb things. There's points where the narrative just kinda jumps to a location, you don't know why they're there. They try to do that thing that um, that some shows are kinda made popular, it's so they jump around a lot to keep you confused, because if you don't if you don't get a linear plot, your brain's working harder to put it together, which somehow translates to audience
1: engagement. So <laughs> I don't I don't mind that in some cases where like, oh, I could see done well. how it's put together. Um, the Witcher. I really, really love the Witcher series. But the first season, like they did this thing where they would um, jump between the past and the present. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that Geralt doesn't really age, (laughs) so you can't tell. And the entire world is really bleak and gray and brown, so it's it's almost impossible to tell what's in the present and what's in the past. This is why I should do what Better Call Saul did and just have the black and white period. Or if you don't want to go black and white, take a sepia. I don't know. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, I mean. Sometimes I think what they will do is like they're like, "Oh, well, look, like he grew his hair out," you know, like you kind of get an idea. But this, and it would make it, it does make sense. It wasn't until like literally like the fifth or sixth episode, I was like, "Oh my god, I need to rewatch the first few because it's it's good." But I I couldn't I didn't realize this was in the past and that was in the present. The second season straight linear. Absolutely amazing,
0: but that's the thing that's funny too. Better, like,
1: better for it. <laughs> like we're talking about, you know, colorizing
0: it and doing yeah. these different things. There's, there's, th- there's that sneaks. but I think that's the intent. The intent is to keep you slightly confused too. It yeah. wants you to legitimately be off center and going.
1: When is this happening?
0: How is this happening? I don't know. I'm gonna
1: figure this I, out. I, I would I would agree with you, except that like the story makes less sense oh it does (laughs) yeah but that's just like this isn't fitting together why are they just throwing nonsense at me and
0: and that's why it's such a delicate art because i genuinely believe they want that level of like which is it Mm. not so much because they want you to be confused so much as they want you to do the legwork to figure it out that's the audience engagement part it's not passive viewing if you have to work to determine when things are you happening. The, you
1: want those like Twitter water cooler moments where people like, hey, man, did you see that? that? Well, that really happens here. And they're like, oh, my gosh, really? And The revelations. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying I like you're it. Saying se, a, you're it, saying it, it's a gimmick.
0: I'm, I'm saying it's an intentional gimmick. Some shows get it right. Some yeah. don't. Black Summer, when they did it,
1: it was annoying, and mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I think it's also like the writers are like, "Hey, it would be interesting if the um, if this happened." Well, how do we get them there? Hey, let's just let's just put them there. What if we just never talk about it? I want to know how they got there. I want to see the hero's journey. I love how I just brought that back full well, circle. But um, I, I want to see them get in the car and have a whole scene where they drive and they par- They find parking. <laughs> I want to right. see them get things done around the zombies. But the I zombie. will. But I will say
0: that when Black Zombie, when Black Summer got things right, I thought they did a great oh, job okay. with it. Like there's one character. Who's uh? She's she's Asian. She can't speak English, but somehow she can understand a lot of it. I had to actually go on the internet and read up to determine: Is it possible for a person who lives around English-speaking people, or not even necessarily English, just lives around a language that they don't speak, if they live around it long enough, are they able to understand in pretty good detail? What those around them are saying, even if they themselves can't communicate back. And apparently that is an actual phenomenon.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's like two different parts of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's, you lo- it's, you have to learn two different things. Like you're learning how to, you can learn how to read and write French, but that doesn't mean you know how to speak it and, and, and hear it and, and comprehend it. You know? It was
0: But seeing that character interact with everybody else, especially under situations of duress, mm-hmm. I'm like trying to put together like, what parts of this makes total sense? Given that I now understand that that's a phenomenon that's real, and what parts where am still like? There's no friggin' way, because sometimes they'll get it from her. Like she'll be saying something that they can't understand, but just by I guess the situation and how frantic she is of like, over there, open the door. Okay, I'm gonna take this complex set of directions that you told me in a native language, your foreign language, and just engage. Because I get it. That's how stressed mm. we all are right now. That's Black Summer, folks. Uh, but <laughs> but it, I will say, like, I am going to finish. I'm three episodes from the end of season two. I'm okay. too far to quit. I will say one last thing about the show, and then we can move on, is that I think the dumbest episode by far, which there was a point where the Dami was like six weeks in at this point, and um, four of the heroes, one of which is death, by the way. There's a reason in the narrative why this is, matters. Um, They come across a school. And they figure, okay, we'll hunker down in this school until morning and then we'll, we'll move on. We need a place that's safe to hang out. Mm-hmm. So they go into this school. And while they're there, at one point, they see a child down the hall. And the child sees them yeah. and then runs away. You get two of the characters that are like, we got to go help that child. One of the characters is just kind of like wants to go with them because he feels like the majority rules. The one character, surprisingly black, goes, this is a horror movie trope. That's why I said that. Oh, yeah. Um, he's like, the hell, judging dang mine? We ain't following that stupid kid. We need to get the heck out of here. Because it makes no sense that this child would be in this school right. seeing you and then running away. Like, it's clearly a trap. And they're like, we got to help them. He's, he's a poor child. He's by himself. Of course it was a trap. Yeah. But every action they took throughout the entire sequence, all of it, Stupid. Like I can't not even the typical horror movie haha <laughs> I'm engaged in this. It was just more like just kill all of them, please just <laughs> just, just kill every last one of these idiots because they're they're morons and they're they got it coming but I digress. I can't talk but so much because I literally watched all but three episodes so. well
1: we um I now have uh the show from to watch so that's- you, you, you you are you officially locked in No, it's on my list Yes. because we're watching um severance i got to watch that. Which, which is pretty amazing. So, will put that, From on the top after I had, Severance. It's on the list. It's on the list. It's only going to do so much at one time. Um, oh, is there anything else I wanted to bring up? I don't think so. It's, uh, today's topic is, is kind of strange, too. It's all about uh, characters and games with strange weapons. I
0: think someone submitted this to us, too. I don't remember uh, who at that this That would point. be Daryl.
1: Was it Daryl? Yeah, that was, on, that was that, I, anyway, that's what I wrote down. I think you probably came in and said, Hey, Daryl's got an idea. Let me write it down. Write it down. Don't... You think was, that, that sounds was saying. you were saying. like, "Rob, don't just say you're going to write it down and not write it down." <laughs> write sometimes it you down. tell me you're going to do it and then you don't do it. <laughs> which is absolutely true. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll write it down." I'll write it down. Um, yeah, it's a good topic? Which is a great choice. topic because there's a lot of weird games out there. Not even weird games, just games with like characters like I think the classic one of course is Cloud with a with a sword that's bigger than he is, but like that's not so strange cuz I think I think um um Berserk the, uh, at least the the manga was out before. I'm positive he was Final inspired by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Batsu, Is it Batsu or, or Guts, no, it's it Guts, 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 Gutsu, Gutsu had um had the giant sword, and that was like his thing. You mm-hmm. know, and that's part of like <laughs> that was kind of like part of his story. It's surprising there's
0: a surprising number of games that were inspired by Berserk.
1: But there's a lot of you know action games where your character doesn't necessarily have like a sword or a gun or even a stick. To have something else, mm hmm. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that's that's <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> I yeah. can it's funny too. Like, there
0: were a number. Like, I, I, at first, I was kind of challenged with it, mm-hmm. and I started leaning towards the like the safe bets. Like, I was like, Mario RPG, and I was like, don't do that, don't, don't do that, Pernell. So, I did a little digging, some rec- recollection. I came across a few that I thought were interesting, whether or not they'll, they'll make the coveted, you know just
1: weird enough label we'll find out i found four and that's that's the four we're going to hear today (laughs) so what's what's your first one This is an odd numbered episode so you're you're starting us off we're going to pick the
0: track that i've been listening to dang near nonstop for two days because it's somehow really good this comes from the game akai katana um and it's called kui kui gucci um this is composed by ryu umimoto Welcome back to Rhythm and Pixels. You're listening to Koi <laughs> Gucci from the game Akai Katana, composed by Ryu Umimoto. This is a cave shooter, and also, this is oh, Ryu Umimoto's final OST. This is his final composition. Unfortunately. I didn't know that. Yeah. he's a, This guy, before he passed away, people were considering him as being like one of like the all-time greats. Like he was on his way up. Um... But I am glad that we were able to get this OST. I just wish more people gave it listens because it's a master. Oh, it's a side
1: scrolly sort of.
0: You're kind of spoiling what's going on, but since the listeners aren't seeing it, uh, I want to describe just, it. Was, you, said that, you
1: said it was a bullet hell like cave shooter. Oh,
0: it's know. very bullet helly. y yeah. But like, the uh, reason why I went with the whole like, why it fits this episode is not so much the main character, but the villains you fight the bosses. So this game ha- has a cornball narrative, so I'm not going to get it right. And I'm not going to try. I'm just going to tell you there's these blood swords. People can use them. This takes place in like the 19th century, early 19th century, going like world before World War II. Uh, you are flying in a plane. Your main character has access to one of these blood katanas and allows you to split between yourself and another form, another person who inhabits the blood sword, and you're fighting other people who have control of blood swords too. But what ends up happening is you get to these boss fights, and they're firing bullets at you all over the place. And generally, halfway into the fight or a quarter way into the fight, they summon a por- they open a portal and summon a vehicle like a oh. military vehicle.
1: <laughs> I'm watching this now. That's um, that's insane. So she's like, he's like fighting this woman who's like floating in the air. And then suddenly a portal opens up and like a like a world a War, fighter jet comes out, yeah. like a World War II bomber, like just comes out of it. <laughs> And it's like dropping bullets, sometimes in crazy bullet
0: patterns, sometimes in bullet patterns that reflect the vehicle, like in the case oh. of the bomber. It actually dropped bomb bullets. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but my favorite one in the game, or more specifically, the one that made me just like laugh out loud the most, was you're fighting a guy named Hiragi, and halfway into his battle, he summons a battleship that just flies out of the portal. Yeah and it's dropping bombs on you at first, and then it flips upside down. (laughs) It just starts firing cannons, and then it slowly comes down to try to crush you. It's just this
1: weird concept, like, why is this happening? it's coming down from the top, above, above the screen.
0: Yeah, like, just the idea of this, like, battleship, this water vessel coming out of the portal into the sky, floating there, and it just flips upside down, and it's just blasting you with bullets, and the bosses get to be so... Absurd. This
1: game looks awesome.
0: It's a fantastic game. What? I played it on like Francis' like arcade machine, which is
1: funny because I own the Xbox 360 copy. Oh, okay. Shocker never played my copy. I have a I have a really hard time playing the Bullet Hell games on a like it's the same way I play I have a hard time playing fighting games without a joystick. I have the same problem with um, shooters.
0: Yeah, because it's harder to get the finessing because with yeah. a with a thumb pad you can just kind of tap tap tap.
1: Yeah, but your thumb can slide around way easier. But with these these games, you need such precise control. Mm-hmm. Like again, with like with fighting games, like, I feel like I need better control, and so like a joystick for me is, is a better way to do that. Yes, and I can't do it. I, I I've gotten better. Pressing up is going up. It's not going to go up into the left a little bit by accident. <laughs> but the thing is, you learn tricks like. You
0: end up, you eventually get to point where you're not just holding the joystick like you would expect, because normally you hold it by like, kind of wrapping your hand around the either joystick oh. or you or you kind of grip it from the top like like a claw. I do I do wine glass, wine glass. Yeah, I could not do a shooter like the wine glass. No, no that, that's, deal. All, that's how
1: I play fighting games, and that's just how I play now. Exactly. It's all it's all on the wrist.
0: I'm just picturing <laughs> all that. All the inner, wrist for now. <laughs> yeah, because it does the thing. Like it's the same idea. Like you, the wrist, like it allows you to do like more, you know, like slight motions. Mm-hmm. But I have trouble with the idea of like, okay, this bullet pattern is coming. I gotta kind of maneuver between the bullets, and I'm like kind of pulling it like a, like I'm pulling like a one of those like vending machine claws out. Well, you're not using your whole arm. I mean, it's just use your just your wrist. That's but oh, oh you said wine glass. I'm thinking
1: about when I drink wine. I'm holding like the cup like a goblet. Oh, like a goblet. No, <laughs> like a. Like a wine glass where, like, um, yeah, where, like, the stem is going through. Imagine the stem is going through your finger, the stem of the joystick. Okay. And then the ball, the, the ball top, if it's a ball top, if it's a bat top, you're screwed. <laughs> but if it's a ball top joystick, which, if it's a Japanese arcade It can set machine, on top of your finger. Yeah, like, that would be the, the, the top of it. Yeah, and then it, you sort of kind of angle your hand. Okay, that I can see. Yeah, and I, I learned that through Street Fighter Four, and I was like, Daigo plays this way. I'm going to play that way, too.
0: Yeah, but it's like
1: I I'm getting slowly yeah. better at these things it's just by playing on this
0: arcade cabinet. I'm like I get to the thing where like, I'm kind of like I'll tap it with one finger. Like if I need to get really minute. I'll like take one finger or two fingers. I'm like, gonna like slowly bopping it around. But it's really
1: hard. But what? I like Tron. So this is a, is this a newer one? No, no this is old. So 360. So wow, 2010. It's apparently getting a release on modern
0: consoles the end of this year. Like it's yeah. coming back. It's It's platforms. So PlayStation Four. Like it, it got a, it got a home release on Xbox 360 originally as um, Akai Katana Shin, but when it got the got the domestic release, they dropped the Shin part because no one knows what the heck
1: Akai Katana is anyway. Oh, okay. so I didn't need it. <laughs> didn't need the extra like Super version. Um, yeah, in December, it's coming out in December. It's worth you, it too. maybe to North America. I can't because imagine caves, not. Cave has not been because you can't like cave, a lot of Cave Shooters you can't get in North America still. I feel like oh, nowadays, not through, the, like, not through the North American store. Like um, Mushihime-sama, I don't think you can. Any of the pachi games, you can't. No, no, on Switch. Almost, oh, on, oh, on Switch, you oh, can. On Switch, oh, they oh, are. Yeah. They're there now. Like I was In about the, to say, like these days. Oh, they're there on the PlayStation Network. It is, it's not what you can. You cannot. I, I mean,
0: that sucks. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's easy money, really. So
1: I'm just emulating them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, if the, if it's not a modern game. I'm all in on that. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so this next game is also not so modern. And it's also super obvious that I would pick from this game. We're, I'm let, me guess, with- let me guess.
0: Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. <laughs> let me guess. I'm guessing it involves some sort of... Bubsy. It's Bubsy. <laughs> he fights
1: with his feet. <laughs> it's Rockin' Cats. Oh, should I should have picked Rockin' Cats. Oh, <laughs> what, a, what a lost... Oh, why did I pick my songs already? Rockin' dun, dun, Cats. Duh. Rockin' Cats. Rockin' Cats and cats and rockin'. But uh, in this you're, case, you're Rocky Cats, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say a that's a game where he little. fights
0: with a boxing glove. Yeah, well, yeah it's, like it's, it's, like, like, it's like a briefcase. gun that shoots out a boxing glove. Yeah. So I was close. Anyway, um you know But this is. comes from this comes from, you know, you know, not quite the end of all, you know, dreams. Not quite last dream ten. <laughs> I mean great. This is
1: great. This is Final Fantasy 10. <laughs> this is Final Fantasy 10. <laughs> <laughs> last Dream Ten. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's Waka. Waka Waka is weird. Well, I mean, like everyone, like you don't even think about it because you're playing a Final Fantasy game. But Waka's throwing a ball and killing people with a ball, and it sounds like a ball too. That's it, the best part. I know, it's it's a, they don't even try to fake it. It
0: just goes. <laughs> 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 it um, kills freaking
1: one-eyed bats. So I can't believe I haven't played this song. We're gonna listen to the Blitz Off music, the uh, the Blitzball theme music from Final Fantasy X, composed by Masashi Hamauzu. Welcome back. You're listening to um, Blitz Off. Blitz Off, Purnell. Blitz Off. Blitz On or Blitz Off? Blitz Off, young man. Um, Blitz
0: On, the Blitzer. From
1: Final Fantasy X from the PlayStation 2. This is is the PlayStation 2 version, the original version, um, composed by Masashi Hamatsao. There is the Final Fantasy X Remake Edition which is really, really good. Or it's called Remastered, I think. It's called Final Fantasy Ten Remastered, and there's an arranged soundtrack that's excellent. So, But I wanted to play the original music for this game, which is still pretty pretty good. You mentioned it sounds kind of like you're underwater.
0: Yeah, like it has an underwater vibe to it, which is kind of nice Kind of, know Bliss Ball is an underwater sport. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear this outside of the context of the game and feeling like, you know, I, there's bits where I kind of feel like I can hear like an underwater vibr- um, vibrato.
1: Yeah, vibrato. There's a, little, a lot of that, and even there's some kind of like some 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 kind of sound effects in the background that are kind of sound like underwatery. So I, I I love the idea of Blitzball. Like within this world that's I think falling apart, you know, that every like four or five years is being destroyed, everyone kind of gathers around and rallies around this team sport, which is essentially like underwater rugby, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of like brings everyone together. Like everyone rallies behind, like, their island or their country. They have their team, and they still go and have these huge matches, even though, like, when they get together in huge groups, like, they, they're more susceptible to being attacked I mean, that's, by like, sin, isn't that pretty much modern-day sports? Yeah, it is kind of, yeah, but, like, I
0: don't Not know. Not so much the being a collective bunch of a sin target so much as yeah.
1: people take their minds off of horrible things with team sports. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it works really, really well in the context of the game. And then the actual game of Blitzball is a great idea in theory. We're taking like, turn-based, kind of strategic Final Fantasy-style controls and gameplay and applying it to a sports game.
0: But it just didn't really... I think their mistake was that they relied solely on menus.
1: Yeah, there's yeah, it's a lot of menus. It was really, really tough. I was trying to tell Pernod, like the tricks to to getting through it. It, took me, it still took me a week to finish this darn thing. Oh, to get Waka's ultimate attack yeah, which is yeah. a slot roulette it was a slot machine isn't it yeah it's a slot machine but like it's super like he oh no it's also to get um his ultimate weapon par- part of his ultimate weapon no the ultimate weapon is the limit break so though also you can do more than quite yeah, now because my Waka in this game. My, my last playthrough is like so strong. What you know himself is hilarious? Strong? He was like a monster.
0: For all the characters to be... For all, of all the people that can be strong, for him to be the strongest is the most hilarious. Because again,
1: that thwomp of the ball sound and then like six yeah. nines. So, so, so Titus has a sword and he's slashing people and Riku's got knives and Kamari's got the giant staff and he's just... Has a giant, not even a giant ball. It's like the size. It's like a basketball. It's regulation size. It's a regulation size. It's it's, it's like a little bit bigger than a basketball, and he throws it so hard it explodes monsters. But I
0: think, but you say it explodes them. Oh, but he throws it so hard. But when it hits, it has the same thwack sound. Like it doesn't
1: even like have like a. It doesn't have any impact. I know it's so. It's I just I, l- I love everything about that because it's like oh yeah, but he's like that's his thing. He plays blitzball. That's his sport. I'm like so, so does so about tennis. Is that's what he did too. He was like a star blitzball player in his world. Like, but no, he fights with a sword because he's <laughs> like he's like the hero. But um, Waka, you know, he throws a ball. He has a so guitar. Hard. It kills people. He's the only one that can hit airborne enemies until magic becomes a thing. And that's what I love about making him like the strongest like tank character <laughs> because he's just throwing a ball and like he's doing like all nine damage. He doesn't even say like this sort of character that should be in the front lines. Yeah, I know. No, yeah, he should be in the back. In fact, there's um there's enemy types in the game that like he only he's like stronger with like No one else. The flying one. Yeah, the flying ones. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like
0: until magic comes, in, he's the only one that can hurt flying enemies. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Except for the flan,
1: then the flan. Yeah, flan needs magic. Flan needs magic. Flan, fun is magic. Mm-hmm. Flan is magic badly. Flan is like Final Fantasy, saying, "All right, it's a gelatinous cube, but not a cube. It's like a jelly." And in thirteen, it's a janitor. Is it a janitor?
0: Yeah, there's actually an area where you're fighting flan janitors. Weird. Because you're in like the sewers of a city. And you're running around, and they're like pretty much cleaning. But they see you, they run at you. And I don't have any magic, so I'm fighting Flan with melee weapons. And they spawn clones of themselves, like Dwan oh, wow. does. Those battles took me a really long oh, time. No, yeah,
1: without, without magic to counter them, because they're like like okay, it's a uh, red Flan, so you probably should use some kind of blue magic, right? So I was like, whack, whack, whack 'em all. All right, what's your next song?
0: Self-imposed madness, which that game. was. Yeah. So my next game is a game that I don't think is liked by much of anyone, and it is also one of those games where I don't regret my review, but anybody I would have heard that hears my review would go, "What kind of crack is this guy on?" But I digress. That's for another time. For now, we're going to talk about this song, which is from the game Y2K or Yick, a uh, postmodern RPG. The track title is called "Another Sewer Battle." And it is composed by Mika Maruyama and Andrew Allenson. You're listening to another sewer battle from the game Y2K or Yik. I always pronounce this Yik, honestly. Um, a postmodern
1: RPG composed by Mika Maruyama and Andrew Allen I like this. This I love the uh, the kind of bouncy, kind of step to this. Oh yeah, the, mm. The,
0: the, mm. this OST does some weird things. Sometimes it feels just right, like they just nail some amazing licks. And then other times you're thinking, "What the hell were they thinking with this? This sounds abysmal." But at the end of the day, I'm going to take the good and leave the bad. And this is good. Uh The game, I kind of liked it. Even though the narrative just was a lot of metaphysical nonsense. Like it, They were trying really, really hard. <laughs> but I liked the world they created. I liked exploring that world. And I liked the different characters for the most part. There were a few that were kind of... Yik. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I was having a good time, which is why I was shocked to come down the line later and learn that much of the internet despises the game oh, and were wow. like, just ragging on it. This and Dynasty Warriors, tell em, tell em, Dynasty Warriors 8 are probably my yeah, reviews that I mean, were, were pretty much just like, I thought this, and the internet was like, the heck are you on, man? These are terrible games. So, just goes to show you, everybody's got their own opinion. Right, so, so, what's
1: on. so what's weird about the character in this one?
0: So, all of the characters in this game, for the most part, have different weapons of sorts. There's only one character that has a most more traditional weapons, like an android you meet. She uses like a giant sword, okay, bustery like sword. But the main character, Alex, uses LP. Like he hits him, he attacks with records. He just throws
1: records. He or- throws
0: records. Okay. Or, like, he's like, kind of spins, like, almost like they're bladed records, like, shack. <laughs> um, uh, Chandra, the character that came to mind for me when I chose this, she listens to headphones, she fights with a hula who. Oh, wow. And I love the hula hoop attacks.
1: So, she, so it's like, um, like she, she, she dances with a hula hoop? Yeah, in battle, when her. she's way, she's like doing hula hoop moves, and then she attacks with the hula hoop.
0: <laughs> um, Vela fights with a keytar, either by playing it or just smacking enemies with it. That's awesome. Michael attacks with a camera. Oh. He takes pictures. And the picture does damage? Yes. There's <laughs> another character named Rory who doesn't fight at all. He just holds protest signs up. <laughs> and he just absorbs damage because he refuses to fight. I like that. He That's... only heals and absorbs damage. So really is this whole game. Yeah, every character but the character I named, there's also another character whose name is currently eluding me. He fights with a boken. So not even not a sword sword, but a wooden sword. Oh wow. So yeah. it's just interesting okay. choices of weapons across the board on this so game. Everything is just a little different. I like that. And all the characters' attacks are kinda like uh, they have involved sort for like button timing mm-hmm. and they come in
1: different ways oh, like <laughs> excuse me, I remember watching you uh, play this oh uh, really yeah i came over and you were you were like you were like going through like oh i'm gonna finish this battle and then i can pause it or something oh yeah, yeah. that was a while back
0: yeah right i want to say i was close around when i moved into the house but maybe a little after but um but yeah like one character kind of for- performs an attack similar to a game i'm going to be bringing up later in this episode actually so i'm not going to say what oh, okay. cause i want it to be a surprise yeah. but then the other ones will be like you know hit the button when the green light gets to go like a stop sign or whatever and it's like a bunch of different ways to say engage the player when they're doing attacks for their characters right, which right. can
1: work and sometimes it doesn't it's like the um the, the gun blade in final fantasy um, 8 you know it's like it, you hit the button at the right time to do extra damage it just kind of gives you like the like you're 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 still paying attention during like these wait mode. The freaking gun scenes, blade. Yeah. It's amazing how like in the context of a yeah. video
0: game, it's a great weapon, <laughs> and the context of actual weapon Easy. concepts yeah. is
1: stupid. It's a little odd. It's a little like...
0: I see me rephrase that. It isn't particularly... It's not, let me see. Like If you're using the gun aspect, you're asking aiming and fire. <laughs> I know. Okay, I get it. It's like, okay, this is meant to be a short-range weapon, but if I need to, I'll just fire it like a gun. But the game is like, strike with the sword, and then you time the button press, you fire a bullet at the guy while the sword is still inside of him. Oh,
1: I just thought like maybe it was some kind of um, some kind of explosive charge. That just would like add like some explosion to the to the. The charge is a bullet. <laughs> the charge is a bullet. Yeah, definitely like a revolver style. It looked cool. Hey. Oh, hey, it looked cool. It looked I, cool. I'm not it knocking
0: cool. it. I just thought it was hilarious when you start to think about games a little too much. Yeah, yeah. You're like, who sat down <laughs> in the development room and was like, a revolver
1: attached to a no, a sword attached to a revolver. <laughs> well. My next game is not another Final Fantasy game. I only picked one. (laughs) Um, My next game is actually from Skullgirls. This is one of the last DLC characters. His name is Beowulf. And we're going to listen to his theme. It's called The Crowd Goes Wild, the theme of Beowulf. It's composed by Bretton Cossack and Blaine McGurray. are listening to the crowd goes wild the theme of beowulf from Skullgirls, composed by Bretton cossack and blaine mcgurdy and ooh, this is uh, this has got that kind of fun like japanese like kind of like uh, it makes me think of like uh like the japanese like super sentai force like kind of like theme song you know everyone's like super excited and heroic and i'm just getting the whole i just get this vibe of like
0: oh yeah i can see what you're saying like Doing your poses,
1: and yeah. Your everyone's stances. posing, yeah, like Power Ranger style. A big explosion pops up behind you. We're here. Yeah, everyone's like got like their arms in the air, they're posing, and there's a giant robot that comes up with them. The Skullgirls are on the case. Yeah. So, but I guess it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like a like a like a really old school kind of take on that heroic um, wrestling uh, character theme. But yeah, so Beowulf is a pro wrestler in the Skullgirls world, and on his back he carries with him a folding chair. So he actually breaks the chair on like a sheathed weapon. And so like in part of it, yeah, yeah, it's like he has other moves and like other cool wrestling moves, and he's a a grappler in the game, but he has a chair that he just busts out every once in a while and just hits people with it.
0: No, that's actually pretty funny.
1: So it's not a strange weapon, but for Skullgirls, where there's like, first of all, being one of the only male characters in the game, and then... I feel like his weapon is probably the most
0: realistic or reasonable one. Like I was going to say parasol maybe, but I wouldn't say her umbrella fires bullets. So Yeah,
1: I think it has teeth, too. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me, honestly. <laughs> but um, I like it. I just thought when I saw the character design, I, th- I just thought like it's so goofy. I love the way he looks. I, I love that he just carries a chair with him. <laughs> it's on his back. Bra- back- also, breakers. right here, this solo is so cool. That- that's a rad guitar solo. That's really good. Really, really good.
0: I like the music yeah. of this game. I yeah. like the game in general. I just like, I was, we were saying on Super the break, good. I really wish it got more love than it did. Like, every, when it was being animated, we were originally talking about his, what the game looks like. People were losing their minds over it because it looked really good, and the talk was that they're trying to bring back, like, a more classic fighting game feel when you play it. And then the game came out, and. Aside from like a quick I want to say it was like a, it was kickstarted mm-hmm. which is why the extra characters came down the line later. Yes, yeah. But after an initial release even with the DLC characters coming later, the game just seemed like it fizzled out until second encore released and it got a slight kick in the pants
1: and then it fizzled out again. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about I haven't played this one so I don't I can't really speak to what it is that the fighting game community liked or didn't like about it, you know. Yeah, maybe there's some kind of fundamental in the game that people are like, eh, uh, I don't like that. I just
0: know I like Peacock. Peacock is an awesome character. She's a toon. She's a toon character. Her, there's, every Skull Girl has some weird power. I can't remember what they called it in the game. It was like a... I'm just going to call it Skull Girl Mojo just for the of argument. Yeah, there argument. is something.
1: There's something. And they're all fighting for some like, supreme power.
0: Yeah, in yeah. the case of Peacock, her ability was like she became, so she became a toon. <laughs> so she like throws cartoon bombs that can walk across the floor... Um, she has like a revolver. She pulls revolvers that aren't gun blades out of her pockets and starts firing them. That's She's cool. wild. I have a shirt of her and everything that just says Showtime. <laughs> Was it like a like a promo thing or did you no? I found it at a convention years ago and I oh, never got oh, rid of oh, that's it. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of cool shirts. They just hang on to. That's right. It's I'll be looking. The only thing that sucks is that when you're so tall and clothing doesn't like to stay tall. Yeah. Sometimes one wash is all it takes. Oh, and then it just sort of like I'll yeah. still wear it. But if I'm not wearing the right pants or shorts,
1: it may look like a damn midriff. Oh. So unfortunate for Cape Possum me. Yeah, I have some shirts where I only like it right after it's come out of the dryer because otherwise it gets like way too loose. And then some others are the other way around.
0: Like that's <laughs> well, partly a yeah. sp- fun spoiler alert. Even before I had my weight or whatever, the reason I used to wear like a lot of
1: 2XL and 3XL clothes was because of the height issue, yeah. not because of the weight issue. I have that issue with um, my shoulders. So, like, the, the, the shirt will fit me, but the, the sleeves are always too short. Ah. Yeah. So, that's, so you just want to, you just get like these long shirts hoping that the, the sleeves would balance out for you, or no, you just have well, to deal? I just deal because otherwise, if I get too large of a shirt, then I have like all this extra fabric. And, like, I'm like, well, I'm not that big. I'm not a big man. I'm just tall. <laughs> but you can sneak hoagies into the theater. Well, I mean, I just, I just, I don't even sneak, man. I just bring it right in. <laughs> I used to work at a theater. They don't care. It's no like, one cares. Oh no! I, mean, I that was only not, not walking in there with like fish or something that's gonna make a mess. A chorizo, a, a chorizo burrito. If you got a Wawa
0: sub, like it's contained. It's in, it's in a wrapper. It's, you're gonna be okay. Still, probably one of my most embarrassing stories, <laughs> which is fine to share because it already happened. I don't care. Like, I was in Chicago a little ways back visiting some friends. We decided to go to the movies after eating lunch, yeah. and we went to a Mexican restaurant for said lunch, and I'm a huge sucker for chorizo, so they had authentic, not that fake knockoff, but authentic chorizo. Mm-hmm. So I went all in on, like, a big burrito, chorizo burrito, and I ate some of it there, and I was like, I'll just take the rest of me to the theater. So put it in my coat, sneak it in, everybody's happy, like, yeah, I'm having a good time. Theater movie stars, I'm eating my burrito. My friends are mocking me like, smell that thing. God dang it, you're eating a burrito in the theater, I can smell it. I ain't not care. I'm having a good time. Right. The movie's over. Every time the lights come on, it's time to get up and leave. That burrito spilled all over my clothes because I couldn't <laughs> God, see that it was it dripping. Was dark. It was dark, and I didn't know it was dripping. Oh. So as I was eating, it was just dripping on my pants. And then when I was done, it's just massive chorizo stain.
1: Oh, that's awful. And since I wasn't at
0: home in Delaware, right. well... I was stuck out
1: there for a day, (laughs) like chorizo wear. (laughs) Chorizo wear. Um, What's that? Oh, my God. I was trying to think of something. Oh, no. Another printout story. Oticon. 2000, maybe? Maybe two thousand. It had to be like
0: 2002 at the earliest. You think so? Yeah, because I wouldn't
1: have... I I mean, back in 2000, I barely knew you at that point. It was in a... a, they had different rooms for watching anime. This is what Otakon used to be, because uh-huh. this was the only where the only place where you could watch a lot of this stuff. And there was one room for live action stuff. And we were—I forget what we were watching, but you brought in blackened catfish, <laughs> <laughs> and the lights were—it's not like the lights aren't out, but they're dimmed, and everyone's sort of sitting in there. And it's kind of like no one's going to bring in food. People have drinks or whatever. But no one's bringing in food, and you're like, I'm, "I'm hungry. It's lunchtime," and like everyone could smell fish. <laughs> But obviously, when I was enjoying the fish, I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm glad you remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I stopped going to Otacon, I think like around like 2002 or so. So I must have been before. Like, like, it was probably 2002. Yeah, maybe that was. But yeah, <laughs> you had catfish. You're like I'm eating cat. Like you were so excited to get this cat. I don't know where you got it from.
0: Oh, it was that really cool diner on the corner? It was like, uh, it was like I'm not sure if it's
1: there anymore, but I used to it's like oh, four in yeah. the morning. yeah, That was the one we saw go to when we were up all night playing games and drinking and (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) like not ready to go to bed it was a rough place but
0: if you knew if you could handle yourself in there their food was really good and they still open very late
1: yeah there's that was like the only place that was open super super late we all would would stumble there and get food it was tons of people in like cosplay wandering around and now it's in dc so i don't know what the scene is like there ah it's i don't know everything's in everything's at the gaylord now like it's katsu's there right a cat's. Who's there. I'm not sure if Otakon. I think Otakon somewhere else. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, it's like in like a weird like downtown hotel. I have to look it up, but I don't think that was at Otakon. I mean, I don't
1: think that was at uh, the Gaylord. Yeah. I mean, I, nowadays like these things aren't about watching anime, going there to watch anime. It's anymore. just being around anime. It's fans about and being around other drunk. fans. Yeah, dressing up. It's more dressing up now than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting, because when we were doing it, like dressing up was like kind of a. A, 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 the fad was just starting. People were doing it, but it wasn't like everybody was doing it. And then now, I mean, I think you had folks who just started kind of pioneering,
0: like the, uh, I want to call it like the the garage cosplay, where it's like you just show up with like a like
1: two DDR pads cut in half, <laughs> yeah, or a box, a bunch of Mountain Dew boxes taped to yourself. Yeah, that was. There's always a guy who's like Pepsi Soda Man, who's got like just <laughs> he's just covered in like Coke Coke boxes. And I think I think yeah. it's like
0: people, some like the hardcore fans would mock that. But to me, I was like, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, which means it's doing its job. And two, it's just a fine example to show that you don't have to be a seamster or seamstress to be a cosplayer. You can come dressed as clothes you bought from Goodwill and be happy. It yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: I think I dressed as Iori from King of Fighters one year, and I just like messed up my hair, got like a messed up vest, and then I attached... I, wait, I did something with it. because a bungee cord or something. Yeah, it was like a belt or something I attached to my pants to make them look like bondage pants. And that was because that's what he wore. And that's, that's, that was it. It was kind of cool. I see that big. That's funny. I know I mean, you were like the second person who actually did like a the Yori cosplay. He was a popular character. I liked him. I mean, I was I was really into King of Fighters. And Yori was definitely one of my favorites. Okay, we, we should keep going. What's your uh, next track? Uh, my
0: next track is from a game that I did not cosplay from. Um, I mean, honestly, you could have because the character Yuri is very similar in dress attire to, you know, you you can cosplay this, which is funny because I feel like I know his name, but I just forgot just that fast for some reason. Slip of the brain. Anyway, the actual game is called Shadow Hearts Covenant, and the track title is called Vicious 1915. And I'm going to go with the track title of, wow, I wrote down this one. Oh, yeah, I did. Vicious 1915. You, you can change it up now. No, no, no. no <laughs> I got it right. The track title I want is Vicious 1915. Okay. And the composer is Yoshitaka Hirota. Welcome back. You're listening to Vicious 1915 from the game Shadow Hearts Covenant from the PlayStation 2 era, composed by Yoshitaka Hirota. So, Shadow Hearts and I don't have the most grand of histories together. Mm. I bought the first game in the series years ago, played it for a little bit, kind of laughed the whole idea of your main adversary at the time being Sir Roger Bacon, and um, eventually get into a narrative sequence where the voice acting... And all this atrocities reared itself in such a way that I just couldn't take it and took it back to the store. Again, back in the era where 10 days opened or not, you could return it to the store for a full refund. I kind of miss those days. <laughs> though I don't know if I really return much stuff at this point. Because it's easy to learn what games are before buying them. Anyway. Yeah. At the time, you couldn't. It was harder.
1: Well, also, voice acting now is a lot better than it used to be. That is yeah. true. We're not hiring, they're not hiring the janitor for an extra we're five at, bucks and the happy extra yeah. value meal. At least the, the localized, the American localized uh, uh, voice acting. I don't know. I, I couldn't speak to the...
0: Well, I stand by my belief that the reason why everybody preferred subs so much wasn't because subs were better. It was literally because... You don't understand Japanese enough to know what bad Japanese voice acting is. You yeah. just hear noise.
1: Yeah, and you can just read it and be like, okay, here we go. That, that works for me. That's what they're saying. Yeah, they're works okay. for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, so with the second game, however, I never ended up playing it, despite the fact that a friend in Chicago back in the day named Dave used to work at a GameStop, and when he realized how much he liked the game and I was hanging out with him as a present, he just like, bought me a used copy of the game. He's like, now you have to play it. Joke's on both of us. Because I haven't played it yet, but i am got to, because I did buy To the New World afterwards as a means of saying, I'm going to do this before I go away. I want to do it. Um, but the reason why I picked the track for the episode, despite having not played the game, yeah. is because people talk when it comes to games. People talk, and through the talk, I do know of wacky characters in wacky games. And this game has a particular guy that goes by the name of Joaquin Valentine. What makes him so wacky and fitting of this episode well, his weapon of choice is whatever he can find that can fit into the aspect of, like, I guess he calls either bludgeoning or pummeling, okay. essentially. But essentially, it's like swinging a club with two hands. So he fights with frozen tuna. <laughs> he fights with a locker. He fights with a mailbox. At one point, he gets, like, a, a replica of a ship. Um, he gets a shrine pillar, and he swings that, too. He just finds these things and goes, this is a suitable weapon. He just beats the crap out of people with it. All right. It's perfection at best. He's like, look, I'm a strong guy. These guys need to be bludgeoned. <laughs> There's a tuna.
1: Frozen tuna would really hurt over the noggin. I'm going to swing this thing. That's amazing. I, is it? It like story relevant, like why he has a giant frozen tuna. I mean, he just finds it and goes, "This will make a great this, weapon." This, this is what I'm going to use. I, I'm, you know, I'm, there. I'm known for this now. Now I can't stop using it until I find tuna. the next weird thing. I'm swinging a frozen tuna. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, I remember looking at. We looked up the music for this. I thought, oh, I have played this. I played the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not all of it. Oh
0: yeah, it's it's a rough game. And it, yeah. the one issue that it had were. One, the voice acting. Two, the battles could be kind of slow. And probably the most egregious for folks if they couldn't hang it with it is the thing I mentioned in the last thing I chose, which is Y2K, is the uh, the Judgment Ring battle system. Yeah. So Judgment Ring battle system was a circular ring, because rings are circular, um, that had little notches in them. <laughs> and when you choose your attack... A uh, white dial will go around, is so much like an hour, like a minute hand on a clock, second hand on a clock. Yeah, it would spin, and then you have to s- press the button to stop it. Not even stop it, because it's multiple. So it might be right. like three notches within the full circle, and you want to time it to at least get the timing of a button press to be within it. So it'd be like one, two, three. I got two out of the three, and then the last one might be like the critical version of it. like if you can hit it here, you'll get like extra crit damage. So you're like trying to time these hits as many as you can, and. Having to death for every single attack drove me crazy. Yeah, it's you a can, lot. You could even modify the ring. I can't remember if it was the weapon itself or like items you could equip, but that would even modify the different notches the ring had, how much power the ring I gave. You still
1: had to do the ring. Still had to do the yeah. ring. There was no auto ring. I think that's probably what it was because it was. It does get old. It gets real old. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But. I mean, I'll give them kudos
0: for trying to make something a little different, because I think that was a pair where people were like, how do we keep players engaged instead of just mashing an attack like, yeah, over and
1: over again? Yeah, even though Parasite Eve was doing like really different stuff, like you, know, you run around and freeze, and then you choose what to do next. Run around and freeze, and you choose what to do next. You know, and everything I, was doing something a little bit different. Parasite Eve, the only thing that made me sad there, she just needed to be faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not super quick. Um, all right, so my next track is a little obvious, I think. It is from Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yes. That is what
0: I, I can see. It. As I was wondering what you were saying. I bet there's another one you probably chose from, and this, was this one this one. This one is the one,
1: yes. We're going to listen to music from the, the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 HD remix. This is uh, Yoko Shimomura. We're going to listen to Rowdy Rumble. back, you're listening to Rowdy Rumble from Kingdom Hearts. This is the 2.5 HD Remix version of Kingdom Hearts 2, 2.5. Burr, I guess they burr, added some burr. extra story elements to kind of bridge the gap between some of them. Oh, or?
0: no, no. for two, no. So what they did for those, well, aside from apparently throwing some orchestral versions of some of the tunes
1: yeah, remixes oh, uh, so this is This is Yoko Shimomura arranged also by, and orchestrated by Yoko Shimomura. So she's done everything. Yeah, like all they did, so what those
0: were was just like... Long story short, it was just meant to gouge more money out of the fan base by re releasing the product. But they gave us the Japanese final mix versions of the games. So, oh, that's what this Kingdom Hearts would come out in Japan. Then they would release a version in the States that had like one or two extra things. Mm-hmm. Then they would re re release it in Japan with the stuff they gave us plus more stuff for them. And then that was always called Final Mix. So Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix, Kingdom Uh Hearts Dream Drop Distance Final Mix, God, Crap, Why Are We Still Naming Names This Long. Anyway, the point is, when they released these, they combined a number of the different games into two different releases. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD Remix, Mm -hmm. which was like the first game, uh, Chain of Memories, the 3D version of it, not the Game Boy Advance one.
1: Oh, okay. So it's like a little bit of the other stuff too.
0: Yeah, that was 365 over two days, but only the story bits, and like a few other things. And then 2.5 was like the regular game. Oh, sorry, Kingdom Hearts 2 final mix and like Birth by Sleep final mix and key, that stupid mobile game.
1: Yeah, uh, but uh, only King the King cinema Hearts, stuff. Kingdom Hearts Chex mix.
0: Yeah, there probably was the <laughs> Chex mix out there. Might be a Chex mix. Um, wow. And there was, like, one other game, and then they released another game, which was, like, 2.8 of mm-hmm. Fragmentary Passage, which was meant to step two them, Birth by Sleep into Kingdom Hearts 3, and then they eventually released Kingdom Hearts 3. Christ, they sold this game so many times yeah.
1: over and over again. And then, of course, everyone was disappointed with the third game. But uh, everyone wanted more Kingdom Hearts, so they're like, here's some more, but it's just more of the same. Well, and they, now it's like, okay, here's a third game, and everyone's like, ah. no, "I wish." No, I wish the third was more the same.
0: I haven't finished it, so I'm not going to be the guy. I'm not one of the people who hated the game because I don't know how it concludes. But what I can tell you is that whatever genius at Square that thought, well, everyone really loves the fluid and fun motions of combat in this game, let's break it up every five seconds by summoning a Disney ride or having this weird combo attack that just that just shuts the flow off by having goofy animate himself into a rocket. Now you don't have to hit the button to do but it. But it's there. <laughs> like there's just, the interface is so cluttered with all these commands on the side. This the command is just like it's like a bright shiny button. Press me. Press me. Press
1: me. <laughs> You're going to press it.
0: It's like I actually had moments where I was like just don't do it. Don't summon the stupid teacups. You don't even like the teacups. And then it's just like it's, Smash it!
1: Bam, bam! bam. Spinning in the cup. Does it do extra damage? Does it do anything extra? Like it's just
0: another attack. It's like a it's like a mini summon. You can summon the pirate ship ride from like the freaking Lost Lagoon wherever they got it. Where it's like it just swings in a circle. It's just and on. It's another case of on paper it price sounded awesome. Sora can
1: summon Walt Disney World rides. Yeah, like but real like, like. like our real world human rides inside the Kingdom Hearts universe yes it's like, so I mean yeah there's there's a lot happening
0: there's some baffling logic there and yeah, so ex- does
1: like Sora know these characters because he's watched the movies I don't think so I think he just somehow gains the power to call, call forth teacups yeah he's like and he, I mean what would you do if you could call forth the power of the teacups would you I'd would be you very conquer, relaxed would you conquer worlds I'd host many tea parties <laughs> yeah.
0: I'd settle disputes with tea parties. Yeah. Just just tea all day long. That's right, fighting this giant gum. Hey, 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 tea cups. And everything just sits down, the pull the pull he pulls a giant stone over, (laughs) has a seat, pass him his cup. We Um, talk discussing, you know, various, you know, personality defects and logical fallacies. It'd be great. But the teacups
1: is like a spinning ride, though, right?
0: Yeah, so what ends up happening when you summon the teacups is you, Donald, and Goofy get into each teacup, and you're crashing into each other, you're crashing into the enemies, and you're doing damage.
1: Right. And you're solving world disputes with the right. spinning teacups. With, yeah, spinning teacups. But I have the power of the teacups, so I can fill them with tea and serve them up. I mean, so you sit in the tea. I'm not sitting in the tea. That's too hot. <laughs> I want to drink the tea. That's um, it. Oh, anyway, I didn't even say it, but I think it's obvious. the The weird weapon in this game is a key. He fights with the key. Well,
0: I mean, I just gave you another one. You fight with clashing heart. teacups. And you fight
1: with teacups. But yeah, I didn't know that because I don't play the new. <laughs> Classic. And honestly, teacups. like after after like seeing it, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna turn. The, I'm gonna buy this game. I'm gonna turn it on. I'm gonna have no clue what's happening. As you like, should. Turn it off. That's pretty much everybody like, bought that you know, game. Maybe if I just keep playing, I'll understand it. No, no, you won't. I'm not going. Just to.
0: A me- first of all, the narrative never made sense. <laughs> even if you did, he, but we need like KJ to come back to explain it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, even if, but if you <laughs> think I do, that guy do his stuff. But the majority of Kingdom Hearts players that saw Kingdom Hearts one, then bought Kingdom Hearts two, just waited for Kingdom Hearts three mm. and didn't care about anything else. My brother was one of those people. He never played any other games, so he saw one, two, three. Well, on three, he didn't realize there was, like, five other games in the middle there that introduced characters, that introduced the actual driving force for the game, mm-hmm. being, you know, Ventus, you know, Aqua, and Terra. And he was just like, what the heck is this crap? I just want to be sore and whack people with a key. Well, you can do that, but now you got to deal with these guys in black robes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you got to figure all that mess
1: out. Namine, who is she? Well, yeah, you play it, Chain it, of Memories. Oh, I see it now. It's it's this sea salt ice cream? It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have to go walk back and watch like four other movies to know what's going on. I don't. It's a mess. People came here. Too much.
0: And this is pretty much where the whole Nomura effect came from. People are like, I don't want to deal with this Nomura BS. Because he showed up, took a game that should have just been easy to produce and market. It's a guy with big feet. Hanging out with Disney and Final Fantasy characters. And he was like, you know, I can make a wild wow story out of this. Let's add some zippers, some belts. Yeah, people, yeah it's a Squaresoft game. Talk about let's, hearts. Let's make it fun. Let's make it interesting. I that didn't make it fun. <laughs> that just made me tune out by the but end he of it. Yeah, the good time. I right, the first game, and now stop rambling. The first game was fun all the way to the very end when they actually introduced the whole premise of him jacking himself with his own key to turn into a heartless... <laughs>
1: Who then refines himself and creates his nobody self, which he didn't learn about until a later game. Yeah, I I was like, even that, I was, like, intrigued. I was really, really intrigued. And so I got to the second one, and I was like, I don't even remember. I was trying to wrap my head around the whole thing, and it's just
0: Yeah, uh, because if you went right to the second one, Chain of Memories is out there. Yeah, and I missed all that. But the whole part's like, why am I playing this guy in a town I've never been to? Who the heck is he? Yeah. Well...
1: Plate chain of <laughs> All the music was fantastic. <laughs> I can all agree that the music was some of the best. Yeah. Or some right. of Yokoshima Moore's best. Absolutely. All right, so now we are part. Now we, we're we into the part of the show. Purnell. Who? Call the bonus round. The bo-
0: Bonus round. Was it bonus round, you say? Yeah.
1: Bonus. You <laughs> bonus Royals. <laughs> <laughs> this is Taffy. <laughs> I can't <laughs> even <laughs> do a doddle. I could never do a doddle. Yeah, no, nah, I, I don't even want to try because I'll just make a mess <laughs> of the spit. Um, the bonus round is where we play covers, remixes, and arrangements on the theme. And um, I believe you brought something good to share with the class. I will find out. Okay, I mean, this is a, this is a throw in the
0: bucket. Oh, really? But um, I like the track, but I don't know who else will. I um, said we'll find out. So this comes f- as a cover, or rather a remix from the game Omori, and it is called "You Cannot Go Back." remix version of that and it was done by asparagus96 that's his name all right You're listening to the You Cannot Go Back Remix from the game Omori, remixed by Asparagus96. Uh, I was looking for something I wanted to put on the show from this game, and as much as I love hearing lots of metal covers of Worlds End Valentine, I didn't want to put another one of those on the show, (laughs) so I came across this one, and it sounded just different enough, despite me never asking fighting SpaceX Husband, so I never got to hear it in the game proper. I had to watch the fight on YouTube. Is this you never got this far, or is this like a hidden boss type thing? It's, uh, this game has two routes mm. that you can undertake, and I did not do the route that's referred to as the Hikiko Mori route. I did the normal ending route, mm. because... Despite, I mean, while spoiling the game itself, I felt like to get the Hikiko Mori route, you had to do things that I, as a game player, would not have wanted to do. I see. So I would have had to go against my player instincts to access that route in the game, and I don't generally play games twice. So it was a one and done. Um, That's a longer style game, oh, right? Yeah, it yeah. can be. I mean, if I feel like if you master, you can probably blitz some of this stuff, but even still, I'm like, I got other games I got to get to. I yeah, can't go yeah, back yeah, to yeah. this. Also, because of the fact that as much as I liked Omori's story and the world they built and all, at a certain point, the combat becomes kind of samey. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, I've had my fill of fights in this game. But during the time I was into
1: it, I was really into it, especially with the music. So so the characters in this game, you really don't see them fight. It's just their heads, right? You just see like their heads. Except for every once in a while.
0: Like, For example, if you use Aubrey's headbutt, they animated it where she kind of walks in from the side of the screen. She turns towards the enemy panel and just like, headbutts the screen and cracks <laughs> it. And That's I love cool. that. I like seeing that attack happen. And also, if you do, like, their super friendship attack, they show all of them kind of looking from one to the left, like, looking at each other like a Saturday morning cartoon. They kind of go, yeah! And they just kind of do, like, this super attack on the enemy. Oh, that's cool. Just kind of nice. Um, Omori's a great game. Uh, a dark game, though. It's got, a, it's got actually, a pretty dark relo- re- resolution to it as for what you're actually doing and where you're at. But it's a wonderful game to play and experience at least once. As far as the selection of this track and why for the topic... Well, the aforementioned headbutt girl, Aubrey, for sure. Uh, throughout the game, you find different objects that you can use as weapons. They don't animate the weapons, of course, which means when a gamer does that, they can get really done with the weapons you find because they don't have to animate them or anything. Yeah. So for she gets a body pillow at one point she uses <laughs> it as a weapon. She fights with a mailbox. Basically, it's a mailbox on a stick. Okay. Um, she fights with a, b- a statue bust of uh, a character in the game named Sweetheart. Um, and... A couple other random things, too, but those are the weirder ones I feel like she gets. Mm. Um, and then the other character in the game that I think is really cool because he fights with my kind of fighting stuff. His name is Hero, um, and he fights with kitchen utensils. Oh, okay. That's awesome. It's like a teapot, teapot, yeah. uh
1: tenderizer, <laughs> fights with a shucker, yeah, a blender. This character in Chrono Cross, like a, she's like a chef, or, 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 like she, or her dad's a chef, and they fight with... like. I, uh, pots and pans and stuff like that. Oh, and there's Ladle Girl. Ladle Girl. And
0: I like her because all of her weapons have the, the chemical composition for the actual ladle. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like an iron ladle. It's just F-E ladle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first saw the game, I was like, that doesn't make a fee ladle, a Fe ladle, fee. And you're like, Rob, that's iron. I was like, <laughs> oh, right. That makes sense. That's kind of cool. Because like they, was- they, 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 when they, when they localize this stuff, in uh, America, like right, the, the the font can only be so big. The Japanese characters can only be like like, you can, like five or six Japanese characters can describe everything. Mm-hmm. But English, you know, um, we need uh, we're verbose. Yeah, we there's a lot more letters. There's vowels and consonants, and so like they had to kind of squish it down. So Iron Ladle became Fe Ladle. <laughs> I love that yeah. though. That especially if that's the reason why they did was for the character limit. I, I think so. That that that's why a lot of like Game Boy games, like the um in the credits, you only get one name. Or maybe like in, like in a baseball stars or something for the Game Boy, like everyone's just like John, you know. <laughs> there's no John without yeah, that, yeah, without the O. Yeah, because like the names are a lot longer, but like you know, there's only so many characters you can fit on the screen. But like
0: I I I do give it the Colonel Cross, especially now as I'm sitting here deleting like old files to make up hard drive space, like mm-hmm. like on my Vita or my Switch, and then I realize that I actually purchased Colonel Cross on the Vita ages ago. I, like, uh, I should really play this
1: again. It's it's fun. I I don't think I'm going to finish it. I I played up. Bunch of it, but I never. You finished it back in the day, didn't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I definitely finished it back in the day. But then I I bought the the, the oh Green radical Master. dreamers version. Yeah the, yeah, the new version on the PS4, and it's really not much of a quality of life change, and not much nicer looking either. So. Oh, so still has the that graininess. Yeah, the graininess and like the it's really clunky in the battle system. which is like you think they would be better. But they emulated the clunkiness of it.
0: No, that sucks. Like when they
1: did the, the Final Fantasy X uh, uh, remaster, like they 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 did the whole thing on widescreen. They redid a bunch of the character models. Like it looks way nicer. This, like they took care of it. Yeah, they even they, they even did a full arranged soundtrack. This one doesn't have that, so mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. Um, all right, so my game we're gonna listen to is Skies of Arcadia. Mm-hmm. We don't hear from this one too often uh, for the Sega Dreamcast. Happy birthday or belated birthday? Yeah, belated birthday. Uh, We're going to listen to um, a uh, cover of the track Delphinus by Billy the Bard, 11th. back. That was Delphinus from the game Skies of Arcadia and that was arranged and performed by Billy the Bard the 11th which we've actually had on the show ages ago on our episode Slime Time. Yes. And that was a lot of double kick drums. A whole lot of double kick drums. Um, I love the way that the track ended where it really sort of kind of I don't know, there's a lot more space in the track and there's more of the, uh, of the, the original sound, the original uh, uh, melody of the track with the flutes. Uh the Delphinus is one of the ships in the game Skies of Arcadia. Um, yeah, we had we were like having we were trying to figure out who who ship which character ship it was. It was Gilder, Gilder, Gilda. No, you said it was Enrique's. En- At oh, first, Enrique. I thought it was Gilder's you ship. You thought it was Gilder. It was Enrique. Enrique, <laughs> his ship. Um, he was really cool, but uh, but yeah. So I picked Skies of Arcadia because of the main character Fina, and Fina fought with her weird pet floating slime blob. Oh, couple. Cupel. Yeah, couple or Cupel. Um, there was no, I don't think there was any voice acting in the game, so I, I think we all probably said it differently. But it was so weird because, like, as you leveled her up, you can level up the thing, and it would change into different shapes.
0: Well, it was weird with him, though, yeah. because he leveled up independently from her. You had yeah. to level up him through the VMU.
1: That's what it was. That's why I never leveled him up, because I don't think I had a VMU that did anything with it, or I didn't have a VMU. But that's VM- it.
0: You had to. Wow. <sighs> Did you never, you? I can't imagine you had bought a Dreamcast, Wait. but only had one of those third party screenless memory no, cards. No, I
1: had, I mean, I had one. I just don't know if I did anything with it. Which honestly got me wondering. I wonder if my VMU even works anymore. Did it work like a Tamagotchi?
0: Yes. Okay. I used to take it to work at Pizza Hut and raise the chap, raise him while working.
1: Are you sure you're not getting confused with one of nope, the Chows? Nope, not the Chows. I did both. Because I did the Chows too. Both of them. Okay. Oh, man. I completely forgot. I will admit, though, that the Chow, from my recollection, was a lot more elaborate. Yeah, there's was like Couple. Little, little games you had to play through. and But now maybe, yeah, maybe I just never did it. I mean, maybe I never realized he had to. Yeah, because but. But if you don't do it, Couple doesn't become evolved. Like,
0: Fina stats will go up, but Couple as a yeah. weapon doesn't get better.
1: Yeah, later in the game, I don't think I ever used Fina. Like, I just, because I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Like, the Couple's not doing anything for me. I'll just stop using Fina, and I just leveled up everybody else.
0: Well, I mean, you had Boomerang Girl, Ina, or whatever, a- uh, Aya or Aida, Aya Ada. Her name starts with an A and it's four letters. I'm it's going with A-I that. Something, and, and she's not I-I from uh, not super the monkey. monkey ball, yeah. But like her freaking special, her super special, was she becomes like a steel woman who's invincible was just busted.
1: That was Ina, right? Yes. Now Fina, Fina's no, I'm su- not saying, I was saying that was what she had. Fina, I don't remember what her special yeah, was. Yeah, she had some something with couple. He had because he had to do her. And then also level up the weird couple thing. Which, looking at a picture of it now, it looks like a smushed dolphin. <laughs> oh, he was adorable. It's a weird-looking thing. That um, thing was
0: adorable. I do wonder how the GameCube handled that, though.
1: I'm curious. I know they they did some changes. Oh, yeah, because you needed the VMU to do it. Mm-hmm. And they did make some changes regarding the um, the scaling of the game and all of the, uh, the encounters.
0: And they added the fake Vice gang. yeah. Some small things I remember about that game, despite having not played it since, like, 2000. Yeah,
1: this is probably one of the last—Skies of Arcadia is one of the last games that I would just play all night and all day, like, just constantly until I finished it. And and after this, I mean, I think, like, not sleeping, just playing this this game, Um, and, and it's probably the last time I've ever really done that. So. Your sleep schedule thanks you. Yeah, probably. So, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com and we'll have links to these artists' sound clouds and band camps and where you can go buy the music and support the artists. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 34 3 of Rhythm and Pixels Characters with Strange Weaponry. Provided to us by the last weekend. Thank you, Daryl, for the topic suggestion. We always we always enjoy topic suggestions. We got we got a bunch in our Discord server recently. Um, we should take a look at those at some point. Because yeah, really, i wonder if you
0: wrote that one, Dex. I remember someone posting I'm like crap. I
1: don't remember what it was. Oh, Rob, you should write it down. Like I might write that down.
0: <laughs> like write it down. Don't <laughs> forget.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to be back. This is um, I think I started. It's been two weeks. No, yeah, been a few weeks. A couple weeks, rather. Been a couple of weeks. So it's good to get back to the show. Um, some good music. So we should probably come up with our next topic before we head out. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I don't. That's oh. what it interesting about this. Like, we're at that point now where, like, I don't think a lot of other podcasts are faced with this challenge where it's like, okay, we're past cave music, we're past <laughs> you know games, music from random game. Now we're getting into like the weirder topics. Like we need to dig.
1: Yeah, well, we, I mean, a lot of our topics are game focused rather than music focused,
0: which I like. Honestly, yeah. I do like it. Um, I'm okay with even music focus. It's just I, whenever it comes time to choose a really interesting topic, mm-hmm. it always ends up being a game focus because it just seems.
1: Cool. But, yeah, well it's also it's also fun to listen to the music in the context of the game itself. You know, this is game music rather than just listening to the music without the context of the uh, medium that it's from. So it's like, oh, but, you know, why, why why was it composed this way? Why why does it sound a certain way? I wholeheartedly concur yeah. with that. You can't we can't separate the two. Not always. Um but anyway, so thanks everyone for joining us on the show. If you want to talk to us, if you want to contact us, if you have a a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, the best way to get a hold of us is over email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. You can also get a full track listing from this episode and access to all of our episodes at the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Um, and then at the top of the website, there's a link to our Discord server. And in there, you can chat with us or chat with some other listeners, and even other podcasters, other video game music podcasters that are out there. Um, if you'd like to uh, check us out on YouTube, we have youtube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. We have a uh, 24-7 radio station that's playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit music. I'm about to do a big uh, update to it with uh, music from Wonderswan. Ooh. Someone was in the chat room. I was looking at it one day and saying, hey, where's the Wonderswan music? And I thought, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I said, so I'm, I'm wondering how that. many
1: Wonderswan games there
0: were even. I barely did any no, the only thing I knew about WonderSwan is that it had some Final Fantasy ports on it.
1: Yeah, there's some Final Fantasy ports. There's a lot of Bandai stuff. So, um, And there's some like Mega Man or Rockman EXE games on it or ported to it. Wow. Yeah, so there, there's some there's some interesting stuff on that system. So I'm going to go check that out. By the creator of the original Game Boy and the Virtual Boy. What, Gunpei Yokai? Yeah. Did that the WonderSwan. The WonderSwan, yeah.
0: Things do you learn.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So. Gunpei uh, Yokoi, Yoko, I think it is. E Gunpei Yokoi. Um, the, late, the late and great young Gunpei Yokoi. Um, so yeah, so get, wait, wait, the radio station's out there. It's, I'm really proud of that. We're going to have some more music coming up really soon. And um, if you'd like to support the show, the best thing you can do is to tell people about it, share it on your social media, hit the like or subscribe button on whatever platform that you're on. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. As a member of our Patreon, you get access to a monthly live-streamed episode um, where we record the show live, and there's lots of jokes, and we there's a lot of, you get to kind of see behind the scenes. There's a lot of talking and a lot of chatting with the uh, with our uh, with our audience. And you also get cool stuff like um, we have stickers and mugs, and we have T-shirts. Uh, you can get through through Patreon, and we like to thank all of our Patreon members who are at the highest levels of our membership at the end of every episode. Um, hit the button there, and we can there we go. So we first want to thank uh, Brooke. And frankly, Zappa. So thank you both so, so much. Much appreciated, friends. Huge, huge support and a huge, huge thank you to the both of you. We want to thank um, also Khalid. Thank you very, very much. Uh, a new Patreon supporter. Welcome aboard and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Khalid. He's been a listener for a while. Too. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten some emails from him. So it's nice to see um, a little bit of support in our Patreon. So th- thank you so much. Uh, we want to thank uh, the number one. Uh, g- gaming the the alphabetical system in my my list of Patreon members. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Kristen GameFan44, Mike Myers, Turianator, Ulf Person, Alex Messenger from AVGM Journey Podcast, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes Three Podcast. He was recently on an episode of XVGM Radio, uh, so check them out. XVGM Radio. He did a whole episode. It was on... Turtles? No, not Turtles. X-Men games. It's oh, all that's about the a X-Men. good choice. Um, thank good you. Good choice, sure. Thank you very much, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The
0: wise guy. Has he, has, he, just recently, he just recently went to like a Distant Worlds concert, so he's on Cloud. You know oh, that cool. Right that's
1: man? awesome. He's awesome. on Cloud Strife 9. Cloud <laughs> Strife 9. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> thank you, Christopher Stenstrom. Thank you, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor... Enchilada Bergol Harold Howard Triple Jeff uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio as we just talked about uh, Keith Schusterman, Martyrus host of the Re-VGM podcast Dr. Michael Bridgewater who's um, thinking about I think he's proposing a, a new podcast or radio type show where he does nothing but uh, Commodore 64 uh, demo music Oh he would be a blast Something like that, that. Yeah, He does a lot of that I'm on his own already so I um, well, thank you uh, Rage Cage um, host of the VGM Emporium uh, podcast. Thank you, Reinhardt Zilkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy podcast, and Zach Thornbach. So th- and ma- thank you all, and thank you many, many more for your continued support of our little show. Really we, still gotta, we still got to get our butts into the VG Emporium and hit them up with that clearance special. Get the clearance special on the VG Emporium. Then we got the buddy cop episode we got to do with uh, Hammock. America. Hammock. Hammock. So um, anyway, thank you all very, very much for uh, listening to the show. Thank you for all of you who have supported the show. Yeah, you know, we don't, you know, if we ask it, but you don't, you don't need to do it. We're going to keep making the show, and we really appreciate it. That's right. But, um, but getting it, topics helps. <laughs> yeah. But if you like the show, you know, keep listening, and, and we're going to keep making it. So we really appreciate it. So we'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. So long. And
0: remember, I mean. I mean, somebody might... If you find that you have use of a certain tool or object to help your task or job get easier or better, I mean, I can imagine somebody giving you grief over it, maybe like a general totem or a lucky lucky wand or whatever to help people use to help themselves get through the day. Some people talk to rubber ducks on their desks. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I've done it. Um, but... Despite the fact that people might tease you about it, might believe that just because it helps you out, it looks stupid, and therefore you shouldn't utilize it. There's that thing like the man code that people like to utilize it here and there for dumb things like that. Just know that Joaquin Valentine didn't give two hoots about swinging a frozen fish when the world (laughs) needed his need, had needed him to save the day. Yeah, grab that fish. Use your frozen tuna. Pick up that mailbox. Get the twirling. Grab that fish. <laughs> Just grab, grab that fish and save the world. Whatever it takes to succeed and get things done, <laughs> the Landy by shame you into believing that you're somehow taking the easy road or you being ridiculous. Whatever it takes, succeed and